Straight talk. Genuine insights. It's the SC Policy Council, keeping its finger on the nerve of our state legislators. Live on the Liz Callaway Show with Nick Summers. Talk 94.5. And joining us live is Bryce Fielder. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Liz. How are you? Good. Thank you for joining us uh, from the South Carolina Policy Council. You can follow along. Go to scpolicycouncil.org. I just got your state house update for the week. Um, we're looking at uh, the governor's vetoes from, what, last summer? Yeah, so these are the vetoes that he would have issued last summer for the current budget. So normally legislators will come in after those vetoes are issued around the summertime, take them up, sustain some, override some, and then that will be it. Uh, but they didn't return to Columbia last year for that, so they're actually doing that this week. It's kind of out of season and unusual, but that's the background. All right. All right. So what do you expect to come out of that? You know, if you look at the governor's budget, say, for the current budget compared to the previous budget, uh, these were much lighter. Um, he vetoed a lot less spending, and so it's hard to say particularly where, where they'll go on specific veto items, although I wouldn't be surprised if they uh, sustain a good majority of them. Um, but like I said, for the, for the previous year's budget, um, there were a lot of earmarks that he was pretty critical of mm. that he decided to veto. Um, some of those vetoes were sustained, some were overridden. But I couldn't help but notice when looking at the current budget, it's just there wasn't as much scrutiny on what felt like questionable spending. We also saw um, it, uh, also in your uh, newsletter here that uh, Governor Henry McMaster will be delivering his 2024 State of the State address uh, this Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Do you get kind of a, you know, uh, like a lead into what he might be focusing on? No, we, uh, no, no, no previews or hints for us. Uh, we find out just as everyone else does. If I had to speculate, I would think it would have it will have a lot to do with economic development. Um, he'll probably be touting jobs numbers. He'll probably talk a lot about recruitment of you know businesses like Scout, which we've talked about uh, plenty on this show, and expanding other facilities. So there might be some talk about kind of the ED push that South Carolina is making. Um, that would generally align with some of the things that he talked about in his executive budget. And so he might use his state of the state address to also talk a little bit about that, too. Um, you know, we're in the middle of primary season as well, although it's kind of an odd primary season. It's almost as if it's over before it's even started. So I do wonder if he'll talk a little bit about national politics with the South Carolina primary coming up. Uh, but we'll be watching closely and keep in tune. A lot of people that listen to the show always want to know about election integrity. What is um, on the docket, you think, for uh, the legislature this year that we should, you know, maybe call our representatives about or, you know, should be looking into? So this is really interesting to me. So this week, um, a House committee is taking up, I think it's seven, di seven different election bills. Um, and Basically, half of the bills would take things kind of one direction, and then the other half of the bills would take things another direction. Oh, um, for example, one bill would extend uh, early voting hours. So in South Carolina, we have a two-week two -week in-person early voting period that was established in 2022. So one of the bills would extend the hours from like 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. Well, another bill 
um, take things in a different direction, and it would get rid of early voting entirely. It would also require, or I should say, allow kind of observers to go in and watch elections. You know, it would basically say every citizen has the right to observe elections. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> they have to keep a, a minimum amount of space between them and the voters. They can't disrupt voters, but people have a right to kind of be there and watch. Okay. Um, and then there's another bill that says basically after every election, there has to be a hand-counted audit. And so we'll be keeping an eye on that. But it's interesting, the split, um, how, you know, the bills mm. kind of take things. Is it partisan in that split? Do you... it, I can't say that it's partisan. Because some of the bills, like the one extending early voting, if, I, if I'm remembering the bill sponsors correctly, I think it, it's bipartisan. Okay. Um, I, I do know that the the um, legislator that sponsored the majority of the bills, um, such as eliminating early voting and requiring audits, I believe that's uh, Representative Rob Harris. He's a Freedom Caucus member, and I think he led an election integrity rally at the state house the other week, and that's where some of these bills are coming from. I wonder if there's a study as to what the benefit of early voting is. I mean, I would think that it would was created to give people uh, more time to get a vote in. So maybe more people would come out to vote if it was a more convenient time. Uh, And I'm just wondering if that is even true. I mean, like, what is the purpose of early voting? Why do we need two weeks for voting? I know it stinks if you become so sick on that day and you can't go. But I mean, that's how I always kind of lived voting day. It was just one day. That's it. You know? Yeah, and I think that's true for a lot of people. Things changed a lot in 2020, not necessarily yeah. in South Carolina, but around the country with, with mail-in voting. Your voting practices were radically disrupted and changed. And then in 2022, we passed an election integrity law, which was kind of a hodgepodge of policies. I would say it was mostly good. So it increased the penalties for election fraud. Um, it pretty heavily restricted kind of the people and circumstances under which you can vote absentee. But in exchange for that, it extended the early voting. So basically said, uh, we're going to make it a little bit harder to vote absentee, but um, now you have this two-week in-person early voting period, so you probably don't need to vote uh, absentee anyways. That's kind of my understanding of the the philosophy behind the bill. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Um, let's move on to another topic. What is the other one that you want to talk about? Um, you know, there's health care bills that are coming up, but what's on the plate for South Carolina Policy Council? You know, I'm going to take things in a slightly different direction. I want to talk about what's not on the agenda Ooh. for this. Week. Okay. Um, there's two issues, and I don't know if other people have caught this. But there's two issues that, in, in my opinion, are being treated a little bit differently than every, than everything else here in South Carolina. Hmm. So that's the judicial reform issue, mm-hmm. and that is the civil liability reform issue. Okay. By our observation, these are the only two issues that are getting the study committee treatment, as I call it. Well, everything else is being treated normally. You know, they're in hearings that have bills attached to them. So, for example, last week, there was a special house committee looking at South Carolina's rising liquor liability insurance rate and also just generally kind of the state of our civil liability system. Well, that committee in principle would be good. It had a lot of public speakers, but there was no bill attached to it. Um, And if you look at basically every other committee, you know, happening this week and generally, 
you know, if the House Judiciary takes up an issue, it's going to have a bill attached to it so that after they've taken public testimony and the legislators have spoken amongst themselves, they can take action on that bill, they can amend it, they can move it forward. Well, that's just not the case with the liability issue. Um, it's also not the case with the judicial reform issue. You know, we talked a little bit last year, but the House was holding these special hearings to look at South Carolina's system of selecting judges. And they held like three last year. They heard from all sorts of different people, judges, attorneys, legal experts. Um, instead of taking one of the many bills that has already been filed, of which there are plenty, plenty of good bills that do a number of different things, that committee is now planning to write its own bill based on the new information that it's found. Um, and I just wonder why these two issues are being treated differently, where everything else, the legislature seems more than willing to move on these issues, right? And it's not that you can't have public testimony and debate in a normal committee hearing where, you, where you're thinking about a bill. You don't have to move that bill, but at least you have it there so that once the debate portion is done, you can move on something. I've just noticed that these two issues are moving a little bit differently, and it feels like because of that, we may not see action on them anytime soon. Well, it sounds like they're massaging it a little bit. I'm just saying. What do you think? <laughs> they don't they right. want to make sure it's it's going to not really, I guess, um, damage them and because they were benefiting in the other way. So I just feel like they're doing damage control here. And and I couldn't blame you or anyone else looking at it or seeing that way. I you know I'm mm-hmm. trying to view this as objectively as possible, but all that I can say is, you know, there's really only these two issues that are hmm. getting the study, commi- study committee treatment while everything else has a bill attached to it and, mm-hmm. you know, legislators seem more than willing to move on it. So I'm hopeful that once we get through this, you know, bills will start moving, right? We South Carolina's judicial elections are going to happen in February. Um that House committee is expected to produce a bill sometime in early February. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that gives them enough time to pass something and then reap the, the benefits of that before the elections occur. So I just, you know, I'd like to kind of hold their, their feet to the fire in a little bit because there was so much talk and emphasis on judicial reform at the end of last year. And I just want to make sure that we continue to keep a focus on that as we move through session and things come up and things get busy and we don't, you know, get distracted from what matters. Mm, a little smoke and mirrors action going on. <laughs> I'm just guessing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, <laughs> you know, think it, things have been very hectic at the beginning of the session. They've taken up a lot of issues, even beyond what we at the policy council mm-hmm. work on. And um, like a couple weeks back, you know, the whole week was consumed about that house rules change. I don't mm-hmm. know if you guys have followed mm-hmm. that. No. But it basically would limit, you know, during the closure period, how many amendments could be uh, taken up. And that got a lot of attention. And it was all the media seemed to talk about for the week and the House seemed to talk about for that week. So, you know, maybe we can excuse the first couple of weeks, but hopefully we can get back on track with these really important reform items, which there was a lot of talk about at the end of last year. And we can get to those pretty soon. All right. Well, Bryce Fielder, we have a question for you on the Showtime Autoglass text line before we go. Uh, Personal wants to know, since we're talking a little bit about that subject of slow walking things intentionally, this person feels that the powers that be are trying to suppress the voice of the Freedom Caucus. Do you get that feeling? There is definitely um, a lot of tension between the 
GOP and the Freedom Caucus. And if you remember, you know, the GOP just, you know, completely outnumbers them. They hold a lot of the power. They hold a lot of the leadership positions. So I don't want to necessarily attribute a dent to what's going on. But if you look at that that proposed rules house change, a lot of people did seem to think that this is a way to stifle debate and to keep amendments, you know, produced from that side of things to prevent them from being taken up. So I wouldn't blame people for necessarily seeing it that way. Um, I will say that both sides have a lot of good ideas. The freedom side comes up with a lot of great bills and supports a lot of great bills. So we would hope to have a kind of open, transparent system where each side can contribute their ideas and can introduce amendments and so on and so forth. So the more openness and the less restrictions on that, I think, is probably a better system. All right. Bryce Fielder, thank you so much. You can go to scpolicycouncil.org, sign up for the Saturday bulletins and the legislative updates. They just arrive in your email inbox, and it's a great way to keep in touch with things. And, uh, Bryce, we really appreciate you. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Sounds good. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Liz Calloway Show with Nick Summers.